Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Good morning. How is everyone? Y'all doing well? Come on, the rain is gone temporarily. The grass is really loving all this rain though, am I right? That joke. No, that's not a joke. That's serious. If you know me, I really am into grass, you know? <laughs> not that type of grass. Uh, welcome to New Life Church. We're, we're, we're glad you're here. And uh, men, we're my, we're my men in the house. Come on. We're, ooh, ooh. Uh, men, we, we have got a men's retreat coming up. Our first ever downtown men's retreat. Uh, it is the 14th and 15th. Tommy, is that right? Is that right? 14th and 15th. Uh, you're all invited. Fellas, you're invited. We're going to go to Crosshairs Retreat Center. We're going to blow stuff up, shoot guns, and, uh, you know, get into the Word of God. We've got Harry Bates, uh, one of my pastors. He's going to be coming in and leading us in some sessions. And so it's just going to be a good time for the guys in our house to connect. And so I want to invite you out. It's $85. Uh, we do have scholarships available if you can't afford that. Don't let the finances be the reason that you don't come. And so for some of you guys, you're like, hey, I can, I can afford $85. I can afford $185. Hey, you could scholarship some guys who can't afford to go. Uh, and so I want to encourage you to do that. And so we're in the family series week one. We talked about fighting for your family. We talked about how we have to have effort uh, when it comes to the area of family. Week two, we talked about having fundamentals in our marriage, right? Uh, who, who paid attention last week? Every man's greatest need is respect. Every woman's greatest need is love. And then I did my brilliant rights and responsibilities thing up on the <laughs> responsibilities. I know how to spell responsibility. Uh, and so this week, we are going to be talking about principles of parenting, principles of parenting. And so here's what I know. Some of us have kids in here, and we are desperately trying to figure out how to raise kids. Some of you guys are in here, and you're like, I don't have any kids. Why do I need to hear about this? Because one day, you're going to have kids. <laughs> and the best time to prepare and to learn is not when you have them, but before. Amen? And so even if you haven't done that, I believe that God has grace for us and that we can grow, we can learn. And so uh, one, one fundamental truth that we have is that there is no perfect family, okay? There is no perfect father except for God, amen? There's no perfect mother. Uh, you are going to make mistakes. Uh, but we just got to be intentional with what we do. And a uh, healthy family does not happen on an accident. It, it takes effort and it takes work. And uh, you, you don't coast. Listen, you don't, you don't drift anywhere you want to be. <laughs> Amen? Uh, if you just drift, if you're in a boat, you're going to end up uh, back on the shore, right? And so, you know, for us with our families, we, we can't coast. We can't drift. We got to live intentionally. And so look at this verse with me, Psalm 127. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 5. When you got it, say, I got it. Cool. I'm in the NIV, the NIV. Nobody calls it that. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's what it says. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. 
In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Look at this. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. We're going to jump in. And so, God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you. Uh, for all that you do. God, we thank you that you lead us, you guide us, and you provide principles for us to grow as parents. And so Holy Spirit, just ask that you'd speak to us and you'd be near to us this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. 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 Tommy, put it, put it over there. We're going to get this. <laughs> These guys, every week, <laughs> y'all don't know what's going on. He doesn't either. <laughs> Tommy, look, we got the guitar stand right there. You're leaning it. We got the guitar stand. Come on. Put it over there. <laughs> you know, sometimes leadership is a lot like parenting. We, we just got to show the way. I love you, Tommy. I'm thankful for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Tommy. Uh, this past week, yeah, I'll buy you dinner. I owe you. <laughs> Callie's going to get on to me for that. I'm going to hear about that later. <laughs> uh but I would have done it again, you know. Uh, th- this past week, Callie, or two weeks ago, was it two weeks ago you went on a retreat? Callie went on a retreat, and uh, I had Georgia on my own. And I-, I was a super parent for about one day. <laughs> she said 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, I-, I got my workout in. We, we got her set up. Georgia-, Georgia was watching us do our, our P90X uh, ab ripper. She, she laid on the, on the floor and was like kicking her legs with me, and it was one of the cutest things that has ever happened. And then the next day, you know, things, things turned. Things, things changed a little bit. Uh, I, I was prepping a message and decided to go to a coffee shop, and I got there. So y'all, y'all don't know this. I, I love talking to people, but anytime I go to a coffee shop to try to do sermon prep, it, it is not going to happen. <laughs> And so we, we had a family that I saw there that I love that moved away. They were in town, so I talked to them for about an hour and then got into my notes, and my banker called. Anybody refinance their house this year? Any, anybody go through this terrible, terrible process? Uh, called, and there were a bunch of complications with the refinance, so I'm, I'm working on that, and that took forever, and then I realized, oh my gosh, it's 3.30, I've got to go pick up Georgia from daycare in Conway, so I jump in the Jeep, I head to Conway, I pull up in the parking lot, and I look in the back, and there is no car seat in my car. <laughs> I live in Little Rock, this is Conway, and at this point, I was a little testy, right? I'm testy. And so I'm like, how long do I have? And they were like, you've got 45 minutes. And it's like, there is no way I can get to Conway and get back. And so luckily, I have family in Conway who had a car seat they let me borrow. Praise the Lord. And so I went and got Georgia some Chick-fil-A. I tried to get ahead, you know. Sometimes they're a little grumpy when they get out of daycare. And so, uh, you know, that night she was just a gym. Uh, you know, just really easy, and everything went really well. And the next day, I decided, and any parents of toddlers will know that this was a huge mistake. I decided to take her to Waffle House. I thought, you know, I'm going to take her out for a daddy-daughter thing. This is going to be easier to get out of the house. Not easier. And so I, ca- I called Callie. I shared this part of the story last week. I called Callie. I was like, baby, you got to come home. 
Like, I, I'm not going to be ready for the weekend. Me and George, are, we're, we're not going to make it, okay? We're not going to survive another three hours. You got to get back. Uh, and so, a few things that I learned. One, very thankful for my wife, okay? I'm very thankful for all the things that she does and the areas that she helps. Number two, I have a huge amount of respect for single parents. Come on, can we honor our single parents in the house? You guys are warriors. You guys are heroes. Uh, I, I barely made it two days. And so you, you do it all the time. And so we've got honor and respect for you. Y'all listen, parenting is not easy. Parenting is difficult and it takes hard work. It takes effort, intentionality, it takes knowledge, and it takes strategy. Y'all listen, here's what I've learned in my first few years as a parent, is that parenting is hard work, I've got to do my best, and I've got to trust the grace of God to fill in the gaps for me. Uh, you, you do everything that you can, y'all. One of the most difficult areas, when, when Georgia was first born, I, I don't generally deal with fear. That's, that's not one of my big things that I, I wrestle with, but for maybe one of the first times in my life, I just had fear. I was sitting there with this child, and it's like, what decisions is she, she going to make? What mistakes am I going to make? They're going to drive her to make those decisions, you know? And uh, I called one of my pastors, and he prayed with me, and he, he walked through it with me. Y'all, parenting is one of the most difficult places to trust God. But look at this. Callie gave me this verse this week. It's Isaiah 40, 11. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. This is talking about God. It says, he gathers the lambs in his arms. And he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Y'all, that is good news for us who are raising young kids. Come on. That God gently leads those who have young. And y'all, there, there is no place more difficult to trust the Lord than it is with your kids. Well, you're not going to ace it all the time, but here's the good news. You don't have to do it alone. That first psalm that we read, it's interesting. It has, has two audiences. It has the parents, but it also has the larger community. The, the psalm that we read about kids being a blessing, being arrows in your quiver. Uh, th this would have been read at every Jewish baby's birth and sung by pilgrims as they ascended Jerusalem during the annual pilgrimage. Y'all, this is because God has two gardens for growing children. The home and the church. You know, one of my favorite things, like the, the greatest joy that I've had in this past season coming through COVID is watching the kids run through the sanctuary. I mean, I'm serious. I can't wait to get to the end of service so that the kids come out a little life and they're chasing each other and they're making friends because y'all, I want my kid to grow up in the house of God. I want my kid to grow up loving the house of God. I want my kids to grow up making friends and, and having uh, families in here that she connects with, that she learns from. Why? Because we were never meant to do it alone. There's strength that comes in the home, but there's also strength that comes from the community. And y'all, this psalm says that children are a gift. Everybody say this with me. Children are a gift. They're also a reward says that children are an arrow. Children are a weapon. And, and the thing about arrows is that they're not meant to stay in the quiver, right? They're meant to be released. Y'all, the purpose of parenting is to release your children into the world as a weapon for the Lord. We, we want to raise our kids up. And, and right now, I have one arrow in my quiver, all right? Her name is Georgia. She's amazing. I hope to get some more soon, all right? 
Some of you guys, you have two arrows, three arrows, four arrows. I know one family in here has 12, okay? Stephen's family came from 12, 12 arrows in the quiver. That is a full and blessed quiver, amen? Uh, y'all, listen, here's what I also know. Some of you guys, you don't have any arrows. You've been praying. Uh, you've been wrestling with infertility. Y'all, we want to pray for you. We want to walk through that with you. I know that that is painful. I, I have some friends that we prayed for for years. We've had friends that God's answered the prayer, and they've had tons of kids. And there, there's one family that it just never happened, but they recently adopted five kids. Uh, and they are the most happy I've ever seen. They're down at our Saline uh, County campus, and it's amazing what God's done. And so if that's you, we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. We want to walk through it with you. But here's what I love. Back to this verse. This verse is saying that kids are not liabilities. Kids are assets. Kids are not liabilities. Kids are assets. They have a purpose in the world. We are the warriors. They are the arrows. We want to release them into the world. Amen? Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Everybody say blessed. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. You know, before we go any further, I'm going to get into some really practical things for you guys that I hope helps you. We've got a brain trust here at the church, people that I've been talking to all week about what's the best advice that we can give. I want to give you all the single best advice that I got when it comes to raising kids. Uh, Some of you all have heard this story or know this guy. I was texting him this morning. One of my best friends in the whole world, his name is Richard Welsh. He's an Australian guy who pastors a church in Hong Kong, and he has four kids under five, four kids under five. They live in 700 square feet with their in-laws, okay? So they, they, they are in this tight, cramped, like you wouldn't believe it. And the reason they're doing it is because he's saving money to buy a house. You have to save 300000 U.S. dollars to buy a house in Hong Kong. Okay, that's your down payment, okay? And so he's been saving. He's been working hard. He's a man of integrity. Uh, he's wise. And they live in uh, a, a bedroom that is smaller than this carpet, okay? They have four kids. They have twins and then two older boys, and he loves his life, and he loves his family, and I've never once heard him, I'm I'm dead serious, one of my best friends, I've never once heard him complain about his kids, and he came to visit the U.S. one time, and I just asked him, I'm like, dude, how do you do it? Because I know some people who have, like, two kids, and they live in a mansion, and they talk about kids like it's the worst thing that ever happened to them since taxes, right, once they realized they had to pay taxes, and I'm like, how do you do it? And he said, my wife and I committed to never speak curses over blessings that God's given us, that we weren't going to label something a burden that God had blessed us with. And he said, so for us, he said, we met in our 30s. He said, so many people in their 30s don't get married, much less have kids. And he said, so we're just thankful for everything that comes. We're thankful for the late nights where they wake us up. We're thankful for the moments when we get to parent them, we get to correct them, we get to teach them. And so he said, we just, we just don't speak negatively. We don't speak death over our kids. And Callie and I sat down and said, okay, like we're going to take this spirit on. We are not going to complain about our kids. We're going to love being parents. And y'all, it has been the best ride, okay? Uh, the nights when George is up at 3 a.m., we just get sit there and say, God, thank you for blessing us with this kid. And it sounds so unrealistic, y'all, but if you discipline your mindset, I'm telling you, if you don't get anything else out of this, parents, don't complain about your, 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 your blessing that God's given you. Don't let the enemy convince you it's a burden, amen? 
It's a blessing. So, okay, I want to give you guys uh, some principles uh, uh, of parenting. And, and the question is, how does a blessing become a burden? How does a blessing become a burden? I, I, I believe that it happens because we don't know how to handle the blessing that God's given us. Amen? Who knows who Warren Buffett is? Raise your hands. Who knows who Warren Buffett is? $500 in Warren Buffett's hand is way more valuable than it is in my hands, right? I did research on this. The past 35 years, you know how much he's beaten the S&P 500 by? 20,000% over the past 35 years. The guy is a wizard when it comes to finances. Y'all, the best person to trust your kids with, the best return you're going to get on your investment is if you connect your kids to the heart of God. If you teach your kids to love the heart of God, if you teach your kids to love the ways of God, you teach your kids to love the discipline of God. And so we're going to talk about, I'm going to try to give you guys some principles on how you can do that. So I'm going to give you three basic principles of parenting. Number one, teach them constantly. Teach them constantly. Yo, we have to take the responsibility of teaching our kids truth. Amen? It is wild out there. Right? The stuff that, that, that the philosophies that are going around, the stuff that, that our, our school systems are starting to teach our kids, uh, it does not line up with our worldviews. Okay? I, I was in a parenting class maybe two years ago. We were preparing for, for kids, and some of the parents were talking about the things that are happening in there, and, and this occurred to me. If we're Christians, we would, be, we would probably all in here believe and, and agree that the system that we live in is broken, right? The world that we live in is broken. We cannot be surprised when a broken system produces broken people, amen? And so what we have to do is we have to teach our kids that sin has entered the world. There's brokenness in our world, and y'all, God is compassionate towards sin, I think one of the biggest issues in, in the place where, where Christians find themselves totally at odds with the world is we have no compassion for the sin that we see around us. We take offense to it. We get angry with it instead of having compassion for the person who's suffering underneath that sin. And so I think one of the most important things that we can teach our kids is biblical principles, biblical truths. Teach them how to honor authority. What is authority? Teach them about the birds and the bees. Amen. Callie's going to have that conversation with Georgia one day, not me. And then when we have a little, a little bulldog duke as uh, Harry Bates, I'm a Georgia fan, so Harry Bates always says, you name your first kid Georgia, the second one's going to be bulldog. When's bulldog coming around? <laughs> y'all, it's wild out there. We've got to teach. And y'all, we cannot blame the culture or blame our schools when our kids are learning things that we don't agree with. We have to take the responsibility to teach our kids, and, and you can't blame the kids' ministry, right? They, they only get an hour back there on Sundays. You have got to get educated on things that are happening in the world and teach and equip your kids, because if we don't teach them, someone will. Amen? If we don't teach them how to steward money, the culture will teach them how to steward money. If we don't teach them about human sexuality, our culture will teach them about it. If we don't teach them about morality and truth, our culture will teach them about it. If we don't teach them how to fail well, amen, if we don't teach them how to fail, someone else is going to teach them how to respond to failure in their life. It's our responsibility to teach our kids truth. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9 says this. It says, you must love the Lord your God with all your, what? All your heart, 
We're going to come back to that in a second. All your soul and all your strength. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them down on the doorpost of your house and your gates. You know, for me growing up, I, I grew up in the 90s, and my mom, who's here this morning, y'all put your hands together for my mom. Uh, do you know what I'm going to talk about? Okay. Uh, who knows what who, Michael W. Smith is? All right. So my mom was blaring Michael W. Smith, heaven in the real world, all right, every day on the way to school. She was praying for us. She was, I mean, she would pray the entire ride to school. Like, she would thank God for the sunshine and the trees, and it was like a joke with me and my siblings. You know, the other thing my mom did is she also got us learning the catechism. I don't know if you've ever heard of that before. That's not something a lot of places do, but, you know, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I got all of these things that they were teaching me as a kid, and listen, I ran from God, but she gave me these truths as a kid so that when I came to God, I had some level of understanding of who he was. And so one of the things that my mom did so well, I just want to honor you for this, is she just continually put the Lord in front of us. She continually talked about him. She continually put her faith in front of us. And so I want to encourage you guys, like, it can be cringy, all right, <laughs> to talk about this stuff with your kids. Like, it can feel uncomfortable. But y'all, listen, you get to set the tone for that. You get to set the tone for what that looks like. And you don't want to, my, my mom was never just beating it down our throat. She never did anything like that, but it was just a part of who she was. And it's something that, that we grew to appreciate as we got older. So thank you, mama. Uh, so what's our number one goal as parents? Y'all, mine is to connect my, my kids, speaking in faith, kids, right now kid, but kids. I want to connect them to the heart of God. Y'all, listen, the, the, the point of parenting is not just to get your kids to behave properly, but to connect to the heartbeat of who God is. Because if we connect them to the heartbeat of God, the behavior will follow, okay? Now, we're going to talk about discipline here in a little bit, but right now we're talking about teaching. We've got to teach them the heart of God. We've got to teach them the ways of God. We have to teach them to love the discipline of God. Everybody say love. Come on, say love. Love is a choice. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is a feeling. And if you teach your kids to choose God, you teach your kids to choose the ways of God, you teach your kids to choose to love the discipline of God, you're going to see so much better results out of their life. So how do we do it? We teach it all the time, in the car, at home, on walks, in sports. Maybe you do write it on your forehead. I don't know. You know, that's what it says right there. I've not tried that one. But look what it says here, Luke 6, 45. It says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up where? In his heart. When an evil man, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil things stored up where? In his heart. You know, what happens in your heart is, is what you're going to see grow in your life. What's in your heart is going to come out. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Y'all, we want them to connect to the loving Father heart of God because he designed them. Okay, every week I've tried to give some sort of, of leadership lesson within everything that we've done. This week, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. Great leaders 
ask great questions. Great leaders ask great questions. Great leaders don't always just tell you what you need to do, but they'll ask you questions that lead you to the answers, the things that you're looking for. And so one of the things that I've learned from my pastor, Pastor Rick, is he taught his kids how to ask great questions. So anytime they went to a guest house, uh, he would tell them, okay, when we get there, before you can go play with the other kids, you have to ask the host one question. And he'd say, you could ask them any question. He'd give them examples. You could ask them, uh, you know, hey, how do you keep your house so clean? Like, it could be anything, but you have to ask one question before you go in. And I'll tell you what, his kids are some of the best question askers I've ever met. And I'm telling you, when you sit down with somebody at coffee and they're just peppering you with questions, that's a good life skill, right? Y'all, we want to teach our kids not just godly principles and then they become weird people, right? We've all met those people, and it's like, you're so strange, you know? I was talking to my my best friend this week. He he lives in uh, Colorado, and he was was talking about some friends that he has who who just, their kids have no social skills. And he said, "Our, our goal as parents is not just to teach our kids to love God and to love godly principles. We want that, but we also want them to, we want to teach them how to be well-balanced individuals. And one of those things is teaching them skills like asking questions, teaching them how to do those sorts of things. And y'all, these are strategic things that you can do. You know, another thing, how much time do I have? I'm really spending a lot of time on this point. We're going to keep going though. Uh, Another thing that I've seen great parents do is they teach their kids about their personalities. They teach their kids about their personalities. Y'all, if if you're not into personality tests and things like that, I'd encourage you, check out the Myers-Briggs, check out the DISC test, things like that. Because a lot of times, things that you'll label as problems in your kid are are strengths and they're, they're personality things that they have to figure out how to wield, okay? So there's something called a D personality, okay? A D personality is a direct, dominant. We teach this in our Connect class. I'm gonna talk about this today. Uh, a lot of times, let's talk about girls for a second. A lot of times women who have a D personality are taught that they're bossy, that they're, they're, they're too pushy, and that they just need to tone it down their whole life. And they're never told what's going on inside them, so they just feel frustrated, they feel uh, like something's wrong with them, instead of saying, hey, you've got this leadership gift on your life. God's made you a direct communicator. God's made you strong, and you got to be smart in the way that you do it. And some of my friends, they start teaching their kids this at three years old and say, hey, I think you might have this type of personality, and start teaching them strategic ways that they can use their personality, okay? So number one, we got to teach them constantly. Number two, we got to love them deeply. Okay, there's three A's to this. we got to give them attention. we got to give them affection. And we need to give them affirmation, attention. Y'all, kids spell love, T-I-M-E, okay? And so something that I'm working on is right now trying to disconnect from my device, okay? Isn't that one of the most difficult things in life? These things are designed to addict us. We talked about this a ton back in January, so I'm not going to beat this dead horse although they design these things to addict you and to enslave you so that they can use your attention to sell ads, okay? Are we all on the same page with this? These things are not built to better your life. These things are built so other people can make money, all right? And so we have to fight this battle. And so for me, one of the things that I do is I'm not, I, I do not come in the house talking on the phone. 
If, when I come home from work, I finish the phone call in the garage, and then I come in the house. The other thing that I'm trying to work on, I catch myself doing a bad job of this, is when I'm with Georgia, try not to be sitting there on my phone researching or playing a game, whatever, but being present with her. You'll listen. It's hard, right? It gets really boring. Uh, <clears throat> I'm pretty good at puzzles, you know? My daughter at two years old, not so great at puzzles, you know? I don't have a ton of patience for that. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. But, y'all, that attention you give your kids will pay dividends in the long run. So they need attention from you. They need affection from you. Y'all, kids need hugs. Guys, listen, your, your kids need that. I love watching parents when their kids are grown who still give their kids full-on hugs, like just initiating, loving on their families. And then uh, number three, we've got to give affirmation. I, w- I want to give you a verse for this. Affirmation, Matthew three seventeen. This is Jesus and his heavenly Father. Look what God said. It says, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I loved and with whom I am well pleased. Yo, we've got to speak life over our kids We've got to ask them about their hopes and dreams. You know, one of the best gifts my parents gave me is they always told me, Bronson, you can do anything you set your mind to. You can do anything you set your mind to. And I was watching Cars 3. Have y'all seen that? Me and Georgia were watching Cars 3. She really loves it. Actually, it's just better than Mickey Mouse, you know? And in, in the, the, the movie, one of the characters asked Lightning McQueen, says, Lightning, uh, what does it feel like What did it feel like when you did your first race? How did you confront the fact that you might fail? And he said, you know, I never considered that I wouldn't succeed. And I thought, you know, if I can, I want to give that gift to my kids. Like, I want to affirm them in such a way where they really believe that they can chase their dreams, they can do the things that they're going to have to do. And listen, here's what I know. My my kids are going to experience failure. I'm going to be right there with them to teach them how to go through it, but I want them to have godly confidence. Amen? Think about what Jesus said to us as the church. Jesus says, you'll do greater things than I have done. Y'all, that's affirmation. That's speaking towards gifting. That's speaking towards potential. Y'all, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Listen, parents, you have the power to speak life or death over your kids' dreams. Y'all, let's be people who speak life, who help guide them, who help walk with them and believe the best for them. Amen? Number three, discipline them consistently. (laughs) I would rather talk to you guys about politics (laughs) than talk to you about how to discipline your kids. (laughs) But I'm going to give you a few things. Y'all, there are lots of perspectives on this. Uh, Some families spank, some families don't, some do time out. In the green room, uh, a guy was telling me that one family gets apple cider vinegar in a spray bottle and will spray it in their kids' mouths. That sounds like cruel and unusual punishment, but I'm in, you know, whatever works. Listen, you, you have to discipline your kids. You have to discipline your kids. Because if you don't discipline your kids, at some point when discipline does come, they're not going to know how to handle it. Your goal, this is what I've been learning, our goal for the first three years of George's life is to teach her to obey, teach her to love discipline, to teach her to, to learn that mommy and daddy have her best interests at heart. Because listen, if they can't obey you, they won't be able to obey God. If they can't obey you, 
if they don't respect your discipline, they are really going to struggle with the discipline of God. Because y'all listen, there's times when God disciplines us. There's time when God corrects us, when God teaches us other ways to do things. And parents, listen, we have got to do this. You've got to be consistent in the way that you discipline. One of our rules with Georgia is Georgia never wins. All right? You are two years old. (laughs) You will not win. We will be late to where we are going, but you will not win. Mommy and daddy win every time. And and one of the big things you got to be careful with with discipline is be careful with your nose, you know? Be careful with what you say no about. George, Callie is so much better than me about this. Like when I'm on my own, I'm like, no, don't do that. And then she disobeys, right? And I, I find myself in a pickle. Yo, we, we can't, you don't discipline because kids are being kids. You discipline when kids are being rebellious. What's the difference? Georgia dumped out uh, an entire economy-sized thing of goldfish the other day. And you know what? It was annoying, but she's just being a kid. Like, I can't discipline her for that. I was, I was angry, you know, but I had to hold it together. She's just being a kid. She didn't know. Now, what Georgia does know is that she's not supposed to go in the cat's room and get in the cat litter and you know, eat the cat's food. And so that's rebellion. When she looks around the corner to see if mommy and daddy are looking, she knows. Listen, here's what I'm learning about little kids. They know so much more than what we give them credit for. And so, y'all, we discipline for rebellion. We, we don't discipline for mistakes, right? We don't discipline because kids are being kids. And so we've got to be clear in our discipline. We've got to explain why we're doing it. Y'all, listen, a lot of kids are disciplined unfairly. They're disciplined because they're just being kids. They didn't understand. They misunderstood or the parent was being vague. Okay, with discipline, it can't be you're spanking because you're annoyed. It can't be because you're mad or because you had a rough day or because the kids are being too loud. They need to understand why they're being disciplined, and it's because of disobedient or rebellion, but not because they're being kids, okay? Number two, godly discipline is covering. You don't want to shame your kids in public. You don't want to embarrass your kids. The, the best that you can, you want to cover them. And so what does this look like? I've been talking to some of my friends who have older kids, okay? You talk to them and say, when we get home, we're going to have a conversation, all right? Do you smell what the rock is cooking? <laughs> this, is, this is in their ear. Uh, we want to cover them. So godly discipline is clear. Godly dis- discipline is covering. God, godly discipline is convicting. Conviction, y'all listen, is specific. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, he can, convicts us about something specific. Condemnation is very general. Listen, this applies to your life. Conviction is specific, like this, this area you're missing it. Condemnation is very general. It's you're a failure. You mess up all the time. You never get it right. That's condemnation. Conviction is, hey, you rebelled in this area. Y'all, you, you never want to tell your kids they are bad. You can shape their identity with your words. You want to explain to them the thing that they're doing is bad. They're not bad. The thing they're doing is bad. We correct our kids because correction points to their future, and it's biblical. Amen? I want to close with this. Godly discipline is compassionate. It's compassionate. You know, one of the best uh, parenting things that I've seen is parents who who give a buffer between uh, the conversation about the rebellion, we'll keep calling it that, and then the punishment that's to come. Y'all never discipline while you're angry. Never discipline while you're angry. 
that's the time when you go overboard or, or, or you spank too hard or you, you become angry. Give yourself a buffer, five to 10 minutes if you're upset, especially as your kids get older, send them to their room, let them think about it, and then come in and talk about what they did, why they did it, and then whatever your form of punishment is, uh, do it. You know, for, for Callie and I, uh, we, we've got different things that we're trying, but I have lots of people that I respect and that I love that are doing different things. You have to figure out what works for your kid. Listen, some of you guys believe in spanking, but your kid laughs at your spankings because they're really tough, okay? But they would hate time out. Maybe try something like that, you know? But you, you gotta explain what you're doing and you gotta be compassionate as you do it. Um, you know, something I was talking to Jason Kimbrough about this this week. He, he says, every time I discipline my kid, I'm really intentional to be warm the rest of the day. Um, fathers, I, I wanna talk to you for one second. We're, we're gonna close here. Uh, we're gonna talk about the heart of God here in a second, but dads, I wanna talk to you. W- one of the biggest mistakes that we make when we correct our kids is we punish them and then we punish them again by being cold. Because what we're really doing when we're being cold with them is we're withholding love from them. And we're teaching that only if they do what's right will they get love from us. And so somebody taught me this maybe 10 or 12 years ago and said, make sure whenever you have kids, after you discipline, you're warm and you're loving towards them. And so for me, I discipline Georgia right now. She can't talk English real good, you know? And so afterwards, I always pick her up and I say, Daddy loves you so much. Daddy's proud of you. Daddy's here for you. And I try to hug on her and be there with her, okay? And so, y'all, this is not something that we do just because it's the right thing to do. This is something that we learn from God. Yeah, I want to close with a parable. A lot of you guys maybe are familiar with it, but it's the parable of the prodigal son. You know, the prodigal son did so many different things wrong. He, he took his inheritance, he squandered it, he sinned, he dishonored his family. There's a ton that we could get into here with what it was like for somebody in a Jewish community. Actually, when, when somebody did what, what this child did, the prodigal son, the elders of the community would take a vase and they would do a ceremony where they would break this vase and it would shatter to a thousand pieces. And they would say, in the same way that we can't put this vase back together, this dishonorable child will not be brought back into the community. It's total brokenness that's happening here. And so this kid goes off and, and he rebels. And then at some point he realized it was better in my father's house. And so maybe you're familiar with the story. As soon as the kid turned around, still while he was a long way off, the father lifted his robe and he ran to his son. Why did he run? He was beating the elders of the community. He was beating condemnation to his son. He was covering his son. He was bringing his son back in because he loves him. And y'all listen, some of you guys, you did not experience this from your parents. Some of you guys, you don't even view God this way. But here's what I want you to know. When you turn back to God, he sprints towards you. He restores you back to all the things that the right of a son has Some of you guys, you need to know this morning that God loves you. And I'm telling you, as you have a revelation of that, it's going to affect the way that you parent your kids. You can extend that same love. You know, there there was a second son in the story who also totally misunderstood the heart of God. He'd been in the house forever, but he was legalistic. It was all about doing the right things. He thought that's how he he earned his father's affection. And y'all, some of you guys, you're, you're in here and 
And that's your relationship with God. It's not based on his love for you, but it's based on your performance. Y'all, you'll project that on your kids, amen? We want to get the heart of God. We want to get close to God. And we want to raise up godly kids, amen? Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv.